0: We can do about the collective stupidity of government other than figure out how to exploit it.
1: This is an economy of one, your beacon guiding you through the turbulent waters of the political economy.
0: The market no longer is the invisible hand of mutual gain, but the choking grip of political self-interest. Liberty is not given. It must be taken. Let's take it back together today.
1: It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of self-reliance. An economy of one with Gary Rathbun, CEO of Private Wealth Consultants and your free market voice of the U.S. This is our
0: Greetings and welcome again to an economy of one. I am your host, Gary Rathman. Our website, an economyofone.com. An economy as is our Facebook. An economy of one on Facebook. If you got a question or comment and want to send it to me, you can send it to producer at an That's producer at an economyofone.com. You know what? we got reason to celebrate today the debates are over now I got to admit I didn't watch a single minute of any of the debates I can't do that I'm not into kabuki theater uh, and I know that's somewhat of an insult to kabuki theater but uh, don't mean it that way but can't watch that stuff can't do it you can you can get the essence and the important aspects of the entire debate the next morning in three minutes. Why spend 90 minutes of that that you'll never get back the rest of your life and you can get it the next day in three minutes. The the thing that uh, comes out of this one, of course, it's interesting because you see online polls asking the readers of the internet, Who do they think won? Who do they think won? And when it's individuals, generally speaking, a conservative website will have 80 90% saying Trump won. And the more progressive liberal websites will say it was a wash or Hillary won. I mean, when James Carville comes out and says it was pretty much a wash, that tells you that Hillary lost. And uh, the guy's a pretty straight shooter, but he, he does spin things his own way. We're going to talk a little bit more about him in a minute. But the the big theme coming out, the big attack on Trump, is that if he loses, he won't concede the election. He won't concede. And they're all over that. They're all over that. and And President Obama got to admit, not acting very presidential the other day, called Trump a whiner for contesting results when the game's not even over yet. Well, that's not what he did. We know that. And I did a quick search over the last two, three weeks of articles regarding voter fraud. And it's all over the place, all over they're they're investigating in Texas about people getting mail-in ballots and just filling them out with fictitious names and addresses. There's 56 counties I think or precincts in Indiana being investigated for voter fraud. Philadelphia sent out 2.3 million 2.3 million registration cards to illegal aliens and it's all over the California uh, you know what if you have a driver's license you can register to vote and vote on the same day and we know the laws have been passed to give illegal aliens a valid driver's license this week some more uh, emails were released from WikiLeaks where Podesta John Podesta uh, is saying, uh, about the picture ID. The one thing I've thought of in that space is that if you show up on election day with a driver's license, with a picture, attest that you are a citizen, you have a right to vote in federal elections. Well, how do you, uh, attest that you're a citizen? You simply mark a box that says, I'm a citizen. Nobody checks. Nobody checks. Now, Given that, given all the investigations going on all over the country, given the fact that a month ago top officials and uh, the president and Hillary and all these people were saying that the uh, uh, election machines could be compromised by Russian hackers and that everything, every precinct, all 9,000 of them, should fall under the jurisdiction of the department of homeland security it needs to be federalized and then this week it's uh no there's no voter fraud It's perfectly integral the states assure that through diversification it's not under one roof and donald trump is going to be a sore loser i mean my goodness it's you know at least At least a few decades ago, the press, the mainstream media tried to be subtle about their bias, and now they're not. Now they're not. James Carville came out uh, right after the debate and said, well, of course there's going to be some fraud. Now, he qualified that by saying when you have 120, 130 million people voting, somebody's going to make a mistake. Well, that's not what we mean by fraud. What we mean by fraud is thousands of people in Colorado voting that are dead. I find it interesting that in most of these precincts, uh, dead people mainly vote for Democrats. I I just, I I find that interesting. So uh, they're declared dead, uh, declared Democrat. And that's how they continue to vote after they're gone. So it's good to have the debates over I'm glad it's over we're getting down to the end we got a couple weeks left to go and now in the last really in the last week but uh, getting there in the last two weeks the polls are gonna start being a lot more accurate because prior to two three weeks out they don't have to be that accurate but coming up on the end Uh, suddenly the polling companies get a lot more accurate than they used to or than they are previous to the election. So it's going to be interesting to see because L.A. Times has uh, Trump up slightly. IBD has Trump up. I mean, many of these fairly reliable predictors in past elections have Trump slightly in the lead and uh, we we just don't don't seem to care as a country uh about all the collusion going on all the the uh, quid pro quo between the media and uh the democrats the the video came out where the guy admits been doing voter fraud for a long time and here's how you do it now you know democratic national committee had nothing couldn't do anything but fire the guy, which they did. But this guy visited the White House over 300 times, roughly once every three weeks or so. Forty of those times, I, he, I think he met actually with the president. So uh, maybe that's just coincidence. might just be coincidence that he had all those visits to the White House and President Obama that he's out there saying, yeah, we've been uh, committing voter fraud for a long time, and here's how you do it. But, I, I gosh, you know, it's it, it's getting harder and harder every day uh, not to wear a tinfoil hat. I mean, all this stuff keeps coming out. Now, Hillary's economic plan versus Trump's economic plan. By the way, just let's preface this conversation because it's going to be uh, a little bit deeper. Both of their economic plans are train wrecks, okay? Both of them are train wrecks. It's just how bad of a train wreck uh, it's going to be and who or whom is it going to be a train wreck for. With Trump's plan, he wants to cut taxes. I think that's a good thing. But he also wants to do some some things that aren't so good, like raise the minimum wage. He wants to get rid of carried interest. Few of those kind of things spend a trillion dollars, trillion dollars on infrastructure. Now that's a lot of money. Now, Hillary has said she's going to spend 270 billion, I believe, in her first hundred days on infrastructure. Now, we've got one of the best infrastructures in the world. Does it need some improvement? Yeah. Uh, is that. Uh, Is that reason to go in debt another trillion dollars or so? I don't think so. I just don't think so. But uh, Hillary wants to increase spending in alternative energy. Trump wants to have spending in traditional energy. Trump is uh, high on defense spending. Hillary is high on educational spending. So they're both going to spend a lot that we don't have. Deficit is going to increase a lot, although Hillary did say she wasn't going to add a penny to the national debt. Not a penny to the national debt. Coming up, I want to look at some of her statements, and we're going to translate them into uh, plain English for, for you and me. So we'll talk about... Hillary's economic plan and, and the real translation next. An Economy
1: of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun.
0: The mainstream media got from the debate The simple phrase of uh, Trump saying there's going to be election fraud and and that he may not uh, quickly concede if he loses the other side of the coin was Hillary Clinton saying she won't add a penny to the national debt won't add a penny to the national debt now To quote her, she says, I pay for everything I'm proposing. I do not add a penny to the national debt. I take that very seriously because I do think it's one of the issues we've got to come to grips with. When asked where she was going to get the money to pay for it, well, she's going to go where the money is. Would increase taxes on wealthy individuals and corporations. And there's no evidence whatsoever that doing this would slow growth, Clinton said, adding the opposite would be the case now let's take a look at this i'm not gonna gonna say that she's uh totally uninformed what i am gonna say is the reports she is getting to back this up are uh totally invalid what what happens when candidates especially presidential candidates do this kind of stuff you uh Uh, You have a a group of people like the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget, supposed to be nonpartisan. What they do is they look at those proposals on spending and on taxing, and they assume, and this this is where it gets me, they assume no one will change their behavior. In other words, you raise tax on somebody that they'll just say, oh, well, I have to pay more tax. Oh, shucks, it's my patriotic duty. I'm going to do that. When in reality, they change their behavior. You penalize a behavior, you get less of it. You reward a behavior, you get more of it. But these committees GAO, uh, Government Accounting Office, Committee for Responsible Federal Budget, They assume everything stays static under current numbers, and then they project it out for 10 years. You know, it's fascinating because they can't predict tomorrow's weather, but yet they're putting economic predictions out there for 10 years. The thing is, the more taxes she levies, the smaller ratio she's going to get compared to past revenue for the government. The fact that she won't add a penny to the national debt, is, 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 is it's not even laughable it's so absurd. How are you going to have free education, free health care, free everything for people below a certain economic level and not add a penny to the national debt? Now just everything staying static, we're gonna add nine trillion to the debt by the next ten years. Nine trillion. We're already at nineteen and a half, so that's twenty-eight, twenty nine trillion dollars of total national debt. Now, if you want to see what this does. Uh, Let me rephrase that. If you want to see what this could do, take a look at Venezuela. Take a look at Greece. Take a look at Zimbabwe. These are our current, current. We're not talking about 50, 60, 80, 100 years ago, what happened in these countries. This is current happening in these countries. I'm sure you saw the article on the Internet of Venezuela Uh, The prisoners in prisons, I know that's a redundancy, the, the men in prisons are killing each other and eating each other. I mean, that's what caged rats do. But that's Venezuela. Venezuela is one of the richest countries in the world when it comes to natural resources. They have more known oil reserves than any other country, including us. Now, they don't produce more oil than we do, but they have more oil than we do. So, when you look at this, you know, and start looking at these these thought processes, these statements, you know, they don't say uh, entitlements anymore, they don't say subsidies, handouts, they call them investments, investments, okay, well, you put a gun to my head, take my money give it to somebody else that is not an investment that is stealing pure and simple these people are so ingrained in Keynesian economics and Keynesian as to quote Dan Mitchell Keynesian economics is the fiscal version of a perpetual motion machine okay it's one of those scams from Days gone by where you put a quarter in a machine, turn a handle, and a dollar comes out. And uh, it it just is a scam. Some of Hillary's phrases, support advanced manufacturing. Uh, We got a lot of urgent and important work to do. Uh, Enormous capacity for clean energy production. Uh, If we do it together, more collectivist talk. Everything she says revolves or evolves down to she's going to make America more like Greece and Venezuela by using coercion to impose more spending, more taxes, and more regulation. So it's 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 something to keep in mind. Trump's issues similar, similar. Coming up next. Edward Klein's going to be joining me. He's a former editor of New York Times magazine. New York Times best-selling author, author of the new book, Guilty as Sin. We're going to be talking to him next. I'm Gary Rathman. It's an economy of one. Gary Rathman, an economy of one.
1: An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun.
0: Joining me now is Ed Klein. He's former editor of the New York Times Magazine. Number one New York Times bestselling author. His books include Blood Feud, The Clintons versus the Obamas, The Amateur, Barack Obama and the White House, Unlikable, The Problem with Hillary, and many, many more. Tonight we're talking to him about his new book, Gildia Sin. Ed, welcome to An Economy of One. Well... Gary, it's terrific being
2: with you. Thank you for having
0: me. I appreciate it. I read your book, and it was one of those books that's both a good book to read and absolutely infuriating. And uh, <laughs> I, I hope that's what you was going for. but uh, uh, It cer- certainly was. You know, I, I got a lot of thoughts on the book, and I want to ask you quite a few things. But first of all, how did you persuade people that were very close to the Clintons and the Obamas to, to come and, and tell their story? I mean— you didn't name names, but the Clintons surely can figure out who you talk to, couldn't
2: they? Well, they haven't yet, and I've been doing this now for 13 years, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, the first book I wrote on Hillary Clinton I began interviewing, reporting, and researching back in 2003 and was published in 2005, and it was called The Truth About Hillary. And ever since then, I've been writing about her and Obama and the Democrats and... Uh, these sources that I've uh, amassed over this time have been enormously invaluable to me because mm-hmm. they are sources who are within the inner circles of these people, and i keep of course, I keep their identity secret because they wouldn't talk to me otherwise. Right. Uh, but they are um, they they have a desire these people to let you know that they're near the sources of power. It makes them feel very important to talk to a reporter. <laughs> and that's one of the main reasons why they talk to me is just makes them feel good and, of course, it also gets, allows them to get their side of the story out as well. Yeah, now in all the work you've
0: done regarding the Clintons over the years and all the books you've written, especially – uh, about Hillary. Do you have any concern for yourself, your family, radio talk show hosts you talk to
2: or anything like that? You're talking about safety? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I tell you, people tell me when you cross the street, look both ways.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, you know, there, there's so many stories out there. And what I really appreciated about the book is there's so much out there that is, I don't, I don't know the right word, it's just not substantiated in any significant way it's kind of a hit piece or something like that and Mm -hmm. you back everything you write up significantly i mean it it reminded me of a what a true journalist job should be and why have journalists i mean you point this out all through your book why have they abandoned their objectivity so blatantly today
2: well they've all moved to the left they've all believed that they're um purer than the driven snow, and they think anybody who doesn't agree with them is uh, evil and terrible. Mm -hmm. As you can tell, this country is divided right down the middle between uh, the left and the right, and for reasons that I think have a lot to do with their education. A lot of these journalists were educated in uh, high schools and in colleges and universities that are uh infected would be my word hmm. with left-wing teachers and uh, professors and i think they've got a very warped view of america and about our political system
0: now you spend quite a bit of time in the book talking uh about hillary's health uh, i think it's a real real issue yet most people are are willing to give her a pass on on their health and being president's got to require a tremendous amount of energy and and, and stamina and you also Uh, I read a piece of yours, that was in the Washington Examiner, either yesterday or today or or recently. What's your thoughts on her health, and does she have the strength and stamina to do what a president needs to do?
2: Well, you know, she's covered up her health uh, issues. Uh, She's had a doctor, a very obscure doctor that nobody's ever heard of, uh, put out a, a very truncated... Report on her health saying that she's fit to, to be president. Mm-hmm. But she has not been investigated or in, uh, examined by an independent panel of of first class physicians. And as a result, the public is really left in the dark. My sources tell me that she has several maladies one is a leaky, leaking heart valve. Mm-hmm. Uh, another is um, chronic low blood pressure, uh, a tendency to faint, mm-hmm. to uh, create blood clots, which can, of course, as you know, move from one place in the body to the lungs or the heart or the brain and cause uh, disablement or even death. Right. And she's on medications that are trying to... Um, Handle this blood clot problem, but those medications have a lot of side effects as well. so when she 's alone at home with her friends i 'm told by these people uh, this is she does not look like a very uh, energetic well woman now mm-hmm. How in the world she gets up for these debates is an issue that i 've been looking into, and i've not yet been able to answer as a journalist. I mean, I can have my opinions, but in terms of actual reporting. It seems to me that something's going on there uh, <clears throat> that allows her to suddenly get a boost of energy uh, just before she walks out onto the stage for a rally or for a debate.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, and that's been been cause for a lot of people to speculate on that, and and uh, I think uh, Donald Trump has even asking for uh, drug tests or before the next debate, which would yeah. Well, I understand why
2: he's doing that. I sure. don't think he's going to get it, oh, but I. No yeah
0: yeah that that won't happen I, you know I, I, when you read everything uh, that you've put together mm-hmm. in Gildia sim I, I I'm somewhat amazed that all of these people that really don't like her or don't really like each other cooperate I mean you got Valerie Jarrett you got uh, Loretta Lynch you got Elizabeth Warren you got the president in there uh, I do want to want to hit you with a question about James Comey because that was that, that's still very odd to 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 some of us out there. But uh, how, how does how do how do you get all these people? How does she get all these people to cooperate? Has she got got something on them in a secret file, or do they have an, a different motivation for helping her out like this?
2: Well, as we've seen in the WikiLeaks that have been coming out recently, and there are thousands of them, as you know, right. there's a lot of backbiting, a lot of. Um, Nasty uh, comments being made behind people's backs in emails in these WikiLeaks uh, about each other. Even some of her closest advisors, like John Podesta, who's the chairman of her campaign, and a woman named Nira Tandon, who is one of her chief political advisors, have had some really cutting remarks about Hillary and her. ineffectiveness on the campaign trail and how she never can seem to say i'm sorry for anything and that her her uh, attitude toward her emails has caused bigger problems than necessary i mean there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes but of course in public they all put on a good face
0: Uh, that's incredible my guess is new york times best-selling author ed klein Talking about his new book, "Guilty of Sin," just out in the last week or so, the real story behind Hillary Clinton's email scandals and and other issues. One
2: of the things I can tell you, Gary, that yes. this book, by the way, is um, this Sunday will be uh, number three Excellent. on the New York Times bestseller list. So uh, it's flying off the shelves, especially e-books, which are. Yes, I think they're about sixteen bucks. That's what is that a movie and a, and a popcorn at, at least? Like. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I will say this: I, I'm a big reader. Uh, I read more than 100 books a year, and I I always read the book of of authors I I talk to. And I got to tell you, I read this book in three sittings. Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, it's an excellent read. It it goes by very quickly. Uh, It just grabbed me, and uh, it was very easy to to get through. One of the things that that surprised me that I really hadn't thought about, and I wish you'd have spent more time on it and maybe the, the next book, and that is... Uh, you spend some time on Chelsea. Right. And you, you, with with Hillary, the, you, we have some comfort in the fact that she's 67, 68 years old, and there, there's going to come a time in four or eight years or sooner, hopefully, that she just kind of retires and writes books and speaks and that kind of But Chelsea mm-hmm. uh, doesn't fall far from the tree, and she could be around a long time and have a very active political
2: career, couldn't she? She certainly not only could, but almost certainly will. And a lot of the people in the campaign have uh, either in emails or in conversations said some very nasty things about her because mm-hmm. she has a very bad reputation among uh, Hillary's closest advisors. Hil- uh, Chelsea seems to have the worst of, um, worst characteristics of both her parents. Uh, she throws her weight around in the campaign in a way that countermands orders from uh, the campaign manager. She yells at people. She uh, fires people without any authority. She uh, acts as low. She's the one in, in charge. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people tell me that one of the things Chelsea has in mind, if her mother becomes president, is to become her mother's, in the essence, of uh, spouse, if you will. Now, yeah. let me explain what I mean by that. In other words, for instance, Bill Clinton is not going to be really an active first husband in the way a first lady would be, right. but Chelsea might be there in the, uh, the white house throwing her weight around, uh, and being in the family quarters at night, uh, whispering into Hillary's ears, uh, poison about people that she doesn't like.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it was just very revealing to me and I didn't think about that, but my goodness, I mean, I'm 60 years old. Um, you know, I, we we could be dealing with uh, the Clinton regime for the rest of my life and beyond. That's <laughs> sure. That was very discouraging. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. You know, in your book, you talk uh, quite a bit about Donald Trump, and, and you quote Craig Shirley uh, talking about Donald Trump and comparing him to Ronald Reagan, uh-huh. Reagan run for the presidency, and, and how established Republicans didn't like Reagan, and they threw all kinds of stuff at him. They tried to get Ford to run uh, right. and that kind of stuff. Uh, it, 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 could there be a, a real parallel between these two? Because I compared Donald Trump to Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. I, I did some reading on Roosevelt, and there's a lot of comparisons there. Uh, Reagan is 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 the template for us now. Everybody says, so, "Oh, it's a Reagan, Reagan, Reagan conservative," and that kind of stuff. Could Trump be a the next Reagan?
2: Well, uh, who can who who knows? <laughs> I mean, I've I've known Donald Trump for. At least 30 years, I've traveled with him on his airplane. I've visited him in his office, been down to Mar-a-Lago, his club in Palm Beach. I know I've interviewed his wife, uh, Melania. Uh, I've spoken to Donald on the phone countless times. I don't think of him as a a Ronald Reagan type. I think of him more of as, and I know this is really going way back in history, but like an Andrew Jackson type, a guy who's going to break the China and uh, clean out the Augean stables and really uh, bring a whole kind of new look to Washington if he gets in there and, you know, get rid of the, the old crowd. And uh, that's why the old crowd is hanging on so and, – and it's against Donald because they, they want to hold on to their power. Yeah. I think Donald is the, the, the new broom, and um, uh, I think if he does get into Washington, we'll see a very, very different Washington. Yeah, I, I I agree,
0: and I I just loved everything you wrote in this book. It's a terrific book. We'll get it up on our website and on our Facebook and and get it out there. We've been speaking with Ed Klein, former editor of New York Times Magazine, author of the new book, Guilty as Sin. you got to read this. Uh, Ed, this has been a real treat for me. It's the first time we've talked.
2: Well, we've got to do it again, Gary. Let's do it
0: again. I, I, I look forward to that, and, and – uh, uh, we'll tap you on the shoulder again soon. I, okay, I that's wonderful. It. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. You get the feeling that no matter who gets elected, we're screwed? We'll take a look at that thought next.
1: An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun.
0: Okay, just a couple more weeks of political nonsense and then, then we can get down to the business and reality and start working on the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, I feel that way too. Kind of silly, isn't it? You know what? It's interesting because uh, elections on November 8th, November 9th, we'll have a president-elect that will take uh, office January 20th or the 21st, something like that. And some of us are going to feel good on November 9th. Some of us will feel less than good. But all of us will probably feel a little less intense than what we think we will. And uh, I I read an interesting article or column on psychology of elections from Barry Brownstein over the foundation for economic education and he talks about impact bias and uh, that's what a psychologist uh, calls the human mind's tendency to overestimate the emotional impact an event will have on us either positively or negatively now if you go back to uh, the 2000 election between Al Gore and and George Bush Bush won But Bush supporters were far less happy than they thought they would be. And Gore supporters were far less unhappy than they had predicted they would be. And what that boils down to is we as humans tend to underestimate our own resilience. Now, the next few years, no matter who gets elected, I think those of us that value freedom, we're going to have some challenges ahead of us. So resiliency is something that I think we ought to think about. I think we ought to work on. It's a renewable resource. And uh, we need to look at things rationally, objectively, realistically. There's a, another aspect in psychology called negative bias theory. And that's where we pay more attention to unpleasant feelings than we do to pleasant feelings. So fear, anger, sadness. So Those are just... The emotions are, are simply more powerful in our lives than the positive ones. Now, to get over this, to, to get through this, we need to just kind of release our grip on those negative thoughts and focus on the resilience. I'm not saying I'm not going to be one of those guys that focus on the positive and see positive and sunshine and, and butterflies everywhere you look. That, no, that doesn't work. But you need to be more positive. And positiveness, to me, comes from objectivity. Got to be more objective. Reality is what reality is. One of my favorite quotes from Ayn Rand is, you can avoid reality, but you cannot avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. And the reality of the situation is, if you know the facts, if you know the truth, then you can deal with it. I'm not interested in curling up in a fetal position, sucking my thumb over in the corner, rocking back and forth, worrying about which one of these two will be the better president. Now, can either candidate impact our decisions to value honesty, accountability, responsibility, trustworthiness? Can the president impact our decision to continue to learn, to be grateful, to be generous? No. Values are intentional qualities that... Join together a string of moments into a meaningful path. So we need to focus on a long-term vision for ourselves, a non-sacrificial vision for ourselves, and find out, determine, think about what values are in our life. What do we value? And is it going to be affected by who wins on November 8th? The beauty is the wheels of bureaucracy move fairly slow. So we can listen to either candidate, look at their policies, look at their statements, and our thought is, wow, I don't want that to happen and it's going to happen right away. Well, that's just not the case. Just not the case. Will it happen? Maybe. But it could take decades for some of these policies to, to be implemented which means several congressional elections in the meantime Uh, a lot can happen while the bureaucratic wheels are slowly turning so we got time I'm not gonna have a bad day on November 9th I hope you don't have a bad day on November 9th what I'm gonna do on November 9th is put into action my plan and my vision based on the information I have on November 9th that I did not have on November 8th. So it's not a question of losing and going to the lockers and taking a shower and going home. If the candidate I want to be president does not become president, I simply go into plan B. We're gonna be fine as a country. We're Americans, and this is America. Either candidate will not destroy this country. Not now, not anytime soon. So work up, develop our vision, determine what's valuable to us, and get moving forward. I want you to have a great day. Be an individual. Be self-reliant. Be an economy of one. I'm Gary Rathman. We'll see you next time.
1: This is our
2: The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. Listeners should consult their own financial advisors or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. Private Wealth Consultants is an SEC registered investment advisor.